Hi, Craig. Welcome to HubShots, episode 12. Thanks, Ian. Good to be here. Likewise. And uh, it's been a pretty hot weekend in Sydney. It's been a warm one, and this is our second last show of the year. Yeah, can we believe it? Made it through 2015 and looking forward to 2016. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know how people say, um, you know, it's only six weeks to Christmas and then three weeks and all things like that. Just want to tell you, did you know that it's only 46 weeks to inbound 2016, Ian? Wow, that, that is unbelievable, Craig. I think if you haven't, you've got to be thinking about getting yourself there. So, you know, start looking at flights, start looking at tickets. Now, I think there was a Black Friday special that has passed. But, you know, join the mailing list and see what's going on and just watch and read what's there and get inspired. Yep, looking forward to it. So that's our inbound thought of the week. That's right. That is the inbound thought of the week. Make sure you're, you're booked in. Now, Craig... What's this week's HubSpot feature? Okay, so this is an interesting one because, you know, that little notification thing that we love, right, up in the top right, orange. We said this last week, something new was there. Well, uh, the tip of the week is that actually the notification area doesn't necessarily indicate something new because this week they uh, they mentioned or they notified us that there's a perfect audience integration. Yeah, from May, right? <laughs> Which is great. That's right. But, yeah, it's been there since May. And, and it's good, by the way. So, you know, it's good to be reminded, as we said last week. But, yeah, so I guess the, the tip is that the notification area doesn't necessarily indicate something that's new, but it does indicate that it's something worth checking out, even if it's checking it out again. Absolutely. So we'll provide a link to that in the show notes. And go and check it out because this is just another way. We can get that end-to-end view of what's happening when we're doing our marketing. Exactly. But I did actually have another tip, which is related to HubSpot. Yes, you did. And it was related to email marketing. And I think this is something that we often face. And I know when I've always done it, people with, let me not say, Microsoft Outlook (laughs) always have issues because they don't seem to see what everybody else sees. So I think this is a great tip. Do you want to talk a bit more about it? Yeah, so you're right. Outlook it has a lot of pain associated with it, getting the emails rendering. So you send from HubSpot, you send to everyone else. They've got every other mail reader. They send to Outlook and there's always gaps or some funny alignments. So this tip is not actually how to fix them because digging into the detail would take too long. But it's to point you to two resources that do give you tips on how to fix them. So yeah, yeah, and you know what? If within the tool, the email part of the system, there is the tester where you can actually test to say which uh, clients you want to test with. So definitely be using that. Yeah, I, I've actually found that not to be as reliable okay. as I'd hope. So sometimes you do the previews and they look yep. great. It looks like they do render well, but then actually someone does get it in their native app and it doesn't. So, okay. But yeah, look, there's two resources. One is a HubSpot blog post, which talks about just some high level tips. And, you know, these are things like use tables, which is basically, unfortunately, the main way we do need to cater yeah. to Outlook. But then another one is the email on Acid site, and they've got a great ebook which goes yeah. through a whole bunch of tips, detailed tips for how to use tables and styling yeah, within great. it. Okay. So I think one thing to note, Craig, is that a lot of people have asked me about what has been going on, especially when they send emails. Like they seem to forget things to do with mobile devices, and a lot of people open their emails on a mobile. So think about that first. I would say think mobile first when you're looking at new designs, etc. because 
people often run, they try to do two column designs and they try to do different things and they forget that the first point of contact is someone looking at it on their phone. So think about how you're going to actually do your work for the mobile device first. That's a great point, actually. And one thing I'll add to that, if you've noticed the marketing you get from a lot of companies, even the big companies like Amazon, Apple, they're actually all really doing a lot of single column emails. It's mainly, and there's very few that are still doing the double and triple columns. And you know what's really interesting? Again, this is that whole thing about keeping focus. And as people are reading emails, it's becoming a sequential as they can scroll down, it's so sequential and there's nothing distracting them on the side to go, oh, let's go look at this. It's very like, okay, here's one, two, three, four, and let's move down as we start reading. And I think it's far cleaner and a lot easier to read than having multi-column emails. Yep. Great point. Excellent. So now on to our challenge of the week, Craig. Okay. The cha- <laughs> challenge of the week is my challenge, which is getting episode 11 up live on the site and i just apologize it's running late so yeah that's all right it is christmas <laughs> i'll send mr claus over there Thanks, <laughs> to comfort you it'll be up yeah we're trying to be consistent with getting the podcast up each week um, and there will be one next week there we're will be recording in between christmas and new year yeah, our final for the year looking forward that's to right. that as well all right on to opinion of the week craig and i really like this this is some insights from facebook to do with mobile heavy facebook ads make search work harder yeah so this is really interesting and the reason we've put this in opinion of the week is because it's a study conducted by facebook telling you how great facebook is right so you've always got to understand the biases it's not an independent research piece but having said that what they've done is statistical analysis across a range of studies i think there was 23 actual studies that they looked at and the finding that they've come up with is that when people are exposed to brand ads on facebook even if they don't click on them on facebook or even if they don't engage with the brand's page on facebook the people who have seen them on facebook are more likely when they go and do a mobile search on google or bing or something like that they're more likely to search for brand related keywords and terms and in fact it increases the number of click-throughs that these sites get related to brand terms and often when we're advertising brand terms are usually cheaper because they're obviously your brand so you get a better click-through price this is exactly right so not only are you getting more mind share um, but you're actually limiting them to be more focused on your brand and as you say they're cheaper as well so the action item from this is if you're a marketing manager and you're looking at facebook Uh, Well, if you're not even looking at Facebook yet, as we've said before, you need to be testing it, okay? If it does or doesn't work, you need to know that. You can't just go with Cutfield. But let's assume you are testing it. You've actually got to be aware of these other indirect benefits that could come out as well. Yeah, which would be hard to measure, right? Really? There's no way I could measure this for my clients, just on the sample space of Yeah, so I mean, I'll I'll read the interesting thing. It said people who saw Facebook ads were more likely to search and click through to an advertiser's website with campaigns experiencing an average of 6.3% lift in the mobile search traffic compared to an average 0.9% lift on the desktop. Yeah. So 6.3% lift in mobile, that's pretty significant. That's pretty significant. And that's, that's, that's actually the lift in clicks that doesn't that's indicate, right. that doesn't take into account the price savings Correct, as well yeah. that you mentioned. So yeah, great case study there. We'll put a link to it so they can go and yeah, check out and, and I read think, further. Like you said, you just need to test it out because... It's another channel. It's 
I would kind of relate it to, look, you know, when we go out on the weekends, we're not working. We might be shopping, but we see something on the side of the road. We see something on a car. We might even see a Google ad appear because we're searching for a particular product. So because we're in one of those micro moments where we're thinking, oh, I, I should really get that thing on Monday. And we're here searching away on our phones while our wives are shopping or kids are doing something. And again, it's just another interaction point. So again, people are on Facebook looking at what their family are doing and they might actually happen to see your ad because, you know, maybe the interest is like mine is automobiles, right? So I like European cars. So I like BMW, Mercedes. And then I do come up and find an ad that maybe related to something else that I work with. And that often perks my interest, right? Because I go, well, okay, is this tool going to help me or can I do something better, faster? And I'll go, oh, I want to check that out. So, you know, there's a perfect example of... Yeah, that is a good example. I can relate to those. Well, the the number of tools that I've bought for our agency to use that I've first been exposed to on Facebook. So that's a classic B2B case. Yeah, it's just there. And the brand recognition, even if I don't check it out straight away, I'll go, oh, yeah, I saw that and I'll check it out later. So... Excellent. Great conversation. And now our general tip of the week, Craig. And this is from the Siege Media article that we talked about, about content curation last week. Now I'm just going to go back and I'm just going to say, what is content curation? Yeah, good question. And this is what Joe Polizzi had to say. He said, content curation is organizing and presenting external, valuable content in a particular niche and presenting that to a defined user base in a compelling way with a goal of building an audience over time. And I think he has really captured what it's all about. Now, I know we've had other examples of what is content curation or definitions, should I say, but I think one of the really things that highlight me in this statement is that it is particular niche. So being niche about what you're, you're sharing and also having a defined user base. And I think this drives back to personas. Right. So knowing who you're talking to and knowing what they want to hear, because that really helps you fashion this content or curate this content, right? Well, it's like we say, how can you, you, you always want to be adding value. How can you add value to an audience if you actually don't know who they are and what their pain points are? So have you got two points for this, Craig? Yeah. So look, I'll just um, talk about what Ross Hudgens says in his Sage Media Content Curation piece, which we linked to last week and we'll link to again here. And he basically says, he's got a great quote, actually. He says, summarized effective content curation highlights amazing content readers have never seen in a way that also adds value and impresses the original source. So there's a lot in there. And so just to unpack a little bit of that, two key takeaways that I think if you're a marketing manager and you're looking at how you're sharing content with your audience, he says, Find unseen valuable stuff and share it immediately. Now, I thought this was really useful because quite often when people go on a content curation kind of process or an approach, they pick all the usual suspects and I'm guilty of this as well. We just share stuff that everyone else is sharing and have already seen. So that's actually not adding a lot of value if people have already seen it. So that's Yeah, so tell me more about that because I'll tell you what. I use – I do a lot of my – like probably every night I, I, I use an app called Feedly oh, yes. on my iPhone and I go through, so I've picked out the content that I really enjoy and I like that I think would be valuable to the people that we talk to. Hmm. And so I go through that and I go, okay, well, what's interesting or what have I seen that I really like in here? 
And that's how I kind of do some of my content curation. And I don't do it really greatly, mind you. I could do it better. But that's just something that I do. So what do you do in your perspective to curate content? Yeah, well, we, we've got a similar approach. So we don't use uh, Feedly, although I'm aware of it, which is an RSS yep. reader. And yes. we'll put a link to that. I use another one called uh, Newsblur, which is oh, an excellent okay. reader. Yeah. But I guess the, the tool that we use, and there's plenty of different tools that you can use, but it's what exactly you said then, which was actually finding stuff that you think's useful to your audience. The point he's making though is just make sure it's not stuff that everyone's seen. And so mm. if you do have these feed readers, you can actually have access to a whole bunch of different sites. Yes. You can get access to a lot of content, review it, and then pick out the ones that no one else is sharing. Or if something new comes up, grab yep. it straight away yep. and share it immediately. And see, this is another issue that I, I've run into. <laughs> we still do. We kind of go, oh yeah, and we queue it. Yes. You know, just so that yeah. it, it trickles out yep, at yep, regular yep. intervals. Sounds like a good idea, right? Yep. He's actually saying, well, actually, if it's really good and valuable share and you're the first away. one, share it straight away, yeah, get right. it out there. And then the, the other thing he's saying is um, use custom descriptions because this is the other easy trap. You go to all the hard work of getting your curation list and you find great content and you just kind of flick it out there with the same heading that it had in the yep. RSS feed. Yep. He's saying... Actually get the description or describe it in, in a your helpful own words, way. Right? Yeah. yeah. Pointing out something key about it and also um, referencing the author in it as well. So yeah. they know that they've been referenced. So yeah, yeah, that's just two little micro tips from an excellent large post. That yeah. And I think this goes back to one, something I told you before that we were doing with in terms of our blog post for it. Yeah. Where we were basically going, well, okay. So they're in property. So I was finding something that like someone had written about granny flats or interest rate announcements around the housing property sector. And I went, well, what do you guys think about this? Because you're, you're out there building houses every day, talking to customers. What's your take on this? Like, so somebody at domain.com.au has actually said, oh, you know, we think it's slowing down <laughs> or this is happening. But, you know, let's talk to somebody on the ground in this part of Sydney who's actually doing something. Right. And you can use that as a form of content curation. That's, I guess that's a more of a longer form of content curation. Yes, it is. But, yeah, still useful, all part of the mix. Great Absolutely. tip. All right. State of inbound item of the week, Craig. And uh, we're going back to the Content Marketing Australia 2016, so benchmark budgets and trends report. Yeah, say that in one breath, as we always joke about. It's a long name, but it's actually a really useful report. Yeah, so we'll just go back. I mean, just give you a little background. It, there were 3,714 people that responded to this and 146 were from Australia, right? That's right. So that, that's how they got the Australian part of this report, which again is great because we're showing up on the map. Right. And uh, so, again, it's a very small sample size. So take it with that in mind when we're talking about these numbers and figures. So yeah, definitely. That's our usual caveat. I really love this. And I think this is following on from last week where we talked about meetings, right? Correct. And so this week, um, it was really interesting. On page 12, it said 57% of the most effective marketers meet daily or weekly, which is really fascinating because the before we were saying meetings were important. Now we're talking about frequency. Right, exactly. So, yeah, and so just to highlight what you, what you mentioned there, so 50% of 
most effective marketers. So when they were categorizing as effective. That's a very key not, point. Yeah. So it's not just all marketers because, you know, some are totally ineffective, as we know. It's so like, and here's the joke that I was, that I was thinking last. I was thinking like, meetings are a big waste of time yes. so if it had said 90 percent of most ineffective marketers <laughs> like meetings i would have like oh yeah that's of course but no it's not it's meetings but it comes back the whole point is communication right so yeah. it's not just meetings for having a meeting sake and you can have stand-up meetings and there's lots of different ways you can conduct meetings but the whole point is having that communication around the key items and this is with your marketing team, it's with the sales team as well and maybe it's with your external agencies that you're using also because yeah. that's often a communication channel that breaks down and it might only be a monthly review and basically that doesn't cut it any these yeah. anymore. It's and I think the reason is things are more agile now and, you know, like exactly. example, we're talking about the issues we're having around HubSpot a few weeks ago with the database upgrade. Right. You know, just imagine that you had something else that was an agency was doing that was complementing some of your stuff that was going out on your website through email marketing, etc. And just imagine that didn't happen and you weren't communicating outside, what would have happened? So I think that's it's a really key part and I think you've got to think about all the agencies. And you know what, like a lot, even like when we deal with other businesses, we really like to think of ourselves an extension of their business because we have to know exactly what's going on because we're doing things, a part of their team, that, that happen on a daily, weekly basis. Like there's content going out, there's yeah, exactly. marketing going out. So, you know, like it was amazing. Like once we got caught out because they decided one day that they're going to have an open house. They didn't put it on their website. They put it on Facebook and didn't tell us. And and then what happened was we were like, well, why didn't we know? We could have actually done something to help you boost and promote this to make it an even bigger time when people were visiting an open house that you had. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell you. So, again... Something small like that, even though we had a short period of time, we could have actually got something really valuable done for them. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, yeah, the summary there, focus on your communication. Now, there were two other items or two other statistics that were interesting around content quantity. Yeah, so page 14 said 87% say they'll produce more content this year and 11% said they'll produce the same. So you can see that there's a massive shift in what people are doing and there's obviously a great focus on it and on page 26 it said 58 percent so they'll increase content marketing spending in the next 12 months so you know what for 2016 that's going to mean something pretty big going to happen so and i think we were talking about this before it's like you know if you thought you had competition now just imagine this time next year when we're talking about it yeah it's going to be so much bigger so what what would you say would be the action that people need to take away, Craig? So I think that it's easy to think, oh, I've just got to spend more and write more content, you know, just pump stuff out. But it's actually around consistency and, and quality. quality yes. And this is the thing. It needs to be adding value. And also there's this idea of having a strategic kind of consistency with your audience. So it's about building an audience. So often, um, and I've fallen into this trap many times, it's kind of like, oh, we've just got to do this many blog posts as if they're all individual separate entities. Yes. But actually think about having series of blog posts and related things. So you're building the audience and bringing them back and giving them added value, not just kind of. You're quite right. And you know what? This ties in to running campaigns in the system. So everything you do. Tied to a campaign, don't be ad hoc about it. 
Think about what campaign it's going to. So be strategic. And I think that was one of the big changes that the HubSpot have made over time is that we have all of these things we send out and things that we do, but let's tie to a campaign and measure its success. So we're not just doing random bits of activity here and there based on what's going on around us. Yeah, good point. All right. Now we're going to talk about some resources that we have, Craig. I love this first resource you've got, which is actually not a website. It's an app. <laughs> yes, it's an app. And, and again, this is something I discovered while I was reading all the stuff that I do. And it's actually an app called Primer. It was developed by Google. It's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a Google venture or it's like it's a test, sort of like a test program. They've got five courses on there currently. Basically, it goes through and works out something to do with what is SEO, what is what is content and what why is it important to have a content strategy. Um, a little bit about analytics. Uh, and it's the, even the analytics one was done by Avanesh Kaushak. So he's pretty well known in the analytics world. He's a bit of a god in the analytics world, yes. Yeah. So, you know, again, that was me going, oh, I recognize that name. I go, this has got to be good, right? So I've actually, I've done three. I kind of did it at nighttime while I was sitting in bed. But you know what? It was a great refresher. And to go through and just go through the app, you can actually save things or pin things that you're interested in. But you have a little exercise along the way. So you can actually go, well, do I really understand this or don't I understand this? Because there's exercise to actually complete something. So I would really encourage people, you know, we've got a link to it. Go and try it out for yourself and just they'll usually give you time. It's usually about five to eight minutes for each of those courses and go through it and just refresh yourself, be refreshed and then understand, well, hey, I need to probably spend more time learning this particular aspect as opposed to something else. So give it a try. Yeah, nice one. And I liked it when you were showing me before. It's got a nice interface, but also we were looking at that one on acquisition. So what is acquiring leads and just thinking through that was, yeah, it was a good handy little tip. So yeah, nice little um, app to download and try. Look, I wanted to chat about, uh, so lead pages is yep. a tool that many people yes. use and yep. we're not going to really talk about the tool here, but they've, they're kind of well known, uh, uh, for providing tools that help with conversions and pop-ups and all that kind of thing. Um, landing pages, uh, integrates nicely with, um, HubSpot, by the way, I use it on my site and integrate yep. lead pages with HubSpot. Yes. Anyway, that's, um, bit of, just a bit of context around yeah, it. Yeah. The resource that they've got is they've actually got a new resource all to do with their tools, but it has a whole bunch of courses and things that they use as well. So I was, it's called the um, leadpages.net library, and they've got a whole bunch of um, ebooks and courses, and they've got a really good one on Facebook, actually. If okay. you want to go and learn yep. Facebook advertising, it's a very good course. So yep. I've, I've been through that. It's useful. So try that out. So that's the resource, but there's actually another reason that we've mentioned it because – I, I was testing and we've actually had different experiences with this, but I went and clicked on one of the resources and it showed this pop-up. Yeah. Right? And you couldn't get rid of the pop-up. Yeah. You just there was only one field, your email address. There's no way to get rid of the pop-up. And do you know what I got when uh, I clicked and, on it? Yeah, and what did you get? I think I got uh, another pop-up, which I could close. That was yeah. a, that was a key thing. And it had a I think an input field for my email, but it actually had a whole bunch of checkboxes. Right. Um which is really interesting because then you said, oh, that's not what I saw. And then I went and tried it in a different browser in an incognito window. And then I saw what you were saying. Yeah. So again, I think here is a perfect example. People are not anymore just doing, oh, let's just do this, but let's test and see what the result is with two totally different um, 
forms essentially that's what it is yeah and testing to see what people are doing and pop-ups are interesting anyway because basically most people hate them but they work right that's generally the the findings you'll get from people look we don't like pop-ups but they work they're really effective this one's really interesting it's almost like they're testing really pushing the boundaries because it's kind of like well we're not only going to show you a pop-up that you can't get rid of it. And we're just going to measure how many people that pisses off versus how many sign yeah, off. Yeah, because it'd be really interesting to see what the bounce yeah, rate is on I'd there. I'd love to know the results. And I'm also kind of fearful that if the results are very, very good in time, everyone will just be have these pop-ups that you can't yes. get rid of. And I'm like, oh, no, they're destroying the web kind of thing. But anyway, that's a little bit of a ex- user experience um, anecdote there. Now, Craig, listener tip of the week. We're waiting for one, aren't we? <laughs> We haven't received one yet. So if you're listening to us out there, please send us a listener tip. We'd love to hear. Actually, I will make a mention. There's one of our friends from Inbound who is in Melbourne and he he was listening and he actually mentioned that he really liked Hotjar. Oh, right. So I mentioned that a few episodes ago. Uh, Yeah, that's a great tool. But there was Charles McKay. All right. Good one, Charles, because you put me onto that. I've been using that as well. It's really good. Yeah, Yeah, I like it. So it is fantastic. It's great for actually proving to customers or actually, your management. Should should actually tell should explain what Hotjar is. Yes. So Hotjar does a few different things, but let's say in simplistic manner, you can see your heat maps, scroll maps, you can actually even record sessions and you can create funnels. So you can say, look, if someone's signing up, they land on this page, the next page they're expecting to see is this page. And then let's say if they get out the other end where they actually fill out the form and get the thank you page, that's like the third step along that funnel. So you can measure that and see in a nice pictorial way what the traffic throughput is, where the drop-off is. But the really interesting thing that we often use it for is actually the heat maps and the scroll maps and also the recording. So people go, well, what what are people doing when they're on my site? So you can actually record up to 100 sessions, I think, on the free plan. And it really gives you a good understanding what people are doing. When people often come to me and say, look, oh, I think this is a great idea. Like someone in management say, yeah, we need to put this here because everyone's going to click on it. Well, and you probably think it's not going to happen. So you can go, well, sure, I'll test it out for you. And you can go back with some results and some actual great results that you can say, yeah, it's working or it's not working, you know, and have proof and then try something else out. Because the thing, one of the biggest things is that real estate is such a premium, especially in that part of the browser where it's visible. And especially now that we're on mobile, it's even more, got to be more conscious of this, is that you need to be make sure that you're maximizing the real estate that you have to get people to do what you need them to do. Yeah, that's totally true. I'll just give you an example because I've been using Hotjar to test something for one of my clients, which is on their homepage. We just set that up to track what people click on. And they've got a slider, you know, like most sites have a slider. It scrolls through various things. And so we ran the test and had a a 1,000 or 2,000 clicks that we checked. And so how many times do you reckon people clicked on the slider? I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. Well, but tell me what industry was it in. Uh, this was actually in B two B cloud hosting. Uh, I would say pretty minimal. I'll give you a hint. It's a nice round number. Zero clicks. Zero clicks. <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely no clicks. So we've actually removed the slider and just That's put. That's really interesting. Yeah, we're Craig, testing a new. I'll um, tell you what. We did this in the property industry. Right. But again, people looking. They like to see nice houses. People click on the slider. 
Ah, so that's interesting because it's more of a yeah Pictorial, visual visual, visual yes. kind of thing. I could understand that. Yeah, yeah I can. Yeah. But see, that's a great test because you just saved a massive amount of space that's being taken up by stuff that provides no value to anyone. Yeah, and what you're saying though makes me think of something else. Which maybe it's not that all sliders are bad. Correct. Maybe the slides or what we're featuring in the sliders might that. not so that be might, what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. So we're testing a different banner that's got a different call to that's action. Fantastic. Doesn't switch out. Great. So, but yeah, just an example of Hotjar we're using to yep. yeah test that. That's use, fantastic. Use data to improve the experience. All right, all right. We're getting close to time, so we'll just finish with our um, podcast pod, of the week. Podcast of the week, and um, I'm and gonna I'll let you talk about this because you love listening, to it and I just subscribed to it. Okay, just before this episode. So this is a great one. It's um, by Polizzi and Rose, and that Polizzi is the Joe Polizzi that we uh, mentioned discussed with, earlier. Yeah, with yeah. content creation definition. And uh, he's one of the founders or maybe the founder of Content um, Marketing Institute. Marketing Institute. Yep. And he runs oh, – he's got a couple of podcasts. He's got one with Robert Rose and yep. it's PNR. And it's called This Old Marketing, which um, I think is an off-putting title actually. Yep. So I don't let that put you off. But it's actually about new marketing um, and getting new results. But actually marketing is old. Like it's almost like – Nothing changes. Using content marketing Correct. in yeah. new ways. Yeah. It's the same kind of adding value, yeah. but in new ways. So it's a really interesting podcast. And the reason I'd recommend it to our listeners, especially if you're a marketing manager, yeah. is because they have a very good perspective and they consult with a lot of big companies. So okay. they're across what the big brands are doing right. and they're all so across what is working for mm. brands. And so they talk a lot about brands and yep. media and things like that. Okay. They also talk about current events that are happening, you know, when Google Plus is yep. it dead or, yes. you know, all those kind of things. Yep. But everything from what's happening in the Super Bowl advertising and how that works through to specific content and audience building. So it's a very useful Valuable podcast. I listen to it just about every episode. It's my number one podcast. So I'd recommend yeah, that. So I think like if you're listening to that, I did notice it was runs for about an hour. Yes. So just make sure you've got some time. Yes. I don't often listen to it all in one sitting, but yeah. Anyway, so that's our podcast of the week and we'll feature another one next week. Well, Craig, it's been another great episode. Second last for the year. Yeah, and we'll see you next week for our last. Have a happy Christmas. Oh, thank you. And you too. To all our listeners. And to our Enjoy listeners. Enjoy your Christmas yeah, and have yeah. a safe one. And we shall see you in between Christmas and New Year. All right. See you then, Ian. See you, Craig. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.